You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Here's a little joke for you guys. You ready? I told my kids I'm older than Google. They think I'm joking. Isn't that funny? I, t- I sent that to John. He goes, I'm actually older than personal computers and internet. So, like, stop it. All right. Well, I'm excited for today. I really just feel like it's just such a sweet time in God's presence. Wasn't worship awesome? Thank you, Jamie and team. You guys are awesome. And I, um, since that's not loading, I'm going to do one adjustment here so I don't have to keep flipping on this. As I was preparing for this, sometimes when I'm preparing for a message, it's kind of a, a, cumula- a culmination of a lot of things God has been speaking to me about, um, things that are healing in my heart, things I'm working through, things I'm dealing with. And, and I kind of just can sit down and kind of organize everything he's been teaching me in the you know six months or whatever, year, two years, and I can kind of do that. Today, it's more like a... Um, a treasure hunt. You know, I just kind of had a feeling about where we should go and what I needed to, what was on his heart today. And I just started in that verse and I started studying and it's been like a treasure hunt. So I'm excited to just go on a treasure hunt with you today and, and find out what God's heart is about some things. And then, um, yeah, we'll see where we get today and then we'll, we'll move on. Move on from there. I'm not sure how I want this. Okay. So, where we're starting today is what I've been seeing in culture and in Christian Christianity is, is Christians struggling with kind of the foundations of their faith and, and some of the principles of Scripture, especially as in our culture and in our world, there is this pushback against truth, against wisdom, against anything that has to do with God. And I don't know if you've noticed that, but um, it's just kind of um, very vocal. It's becoming very vocal. And I see that as there's this pushback, more and more Christians are laying aside biblical truths. And I want to say what they know to be true from the Bible, but what... I'm afraid of is that most Christians, most people that attend church, let me see this. Okay, let me start here. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at Christians. I love church. I want to encourage us today. I want to equip us. So I feel like this sounds really hard. I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm really not, okay? I love you. We okay? We good? Okay. But what I see is people who don't actually know what the word says, being told by culture what God should be like, what Jesus is like, what love should look like. And it's really shipwrecking a lot of people's lives. Okay, so that's what I want to address today. You know, and and I think what I wrote down here was Christians are more and more laying aside truth in order to be, quote, more loving. Because the world says this is what love looks like. And yet that's not what godly love is, right? And if you've I don't know, if you've been on Facebook or social media or anywhere but under a rock for the last 10, 20 years, you've probably felt this pressure, like, well, I don't want to be called a bigot. I don't want to be called unloving. I don't want to turn people away from God in any way, right? But just because you profess Christ, some people are going to make assumptions about your attitude 
And this pressure to show what others say is loving and Christ-like has so many people backing off from the truth. And here's the thing. If we're really walking in real love and we're really bringing truth to our culture, it will set people free. It doesn't push them away. It welcomes them home. So we, can't, we don't need to be shy about, um, about that. One of the things, you know, our Christian faith, we have boundaries. There are boundaries given to us. Um, we can get legalistic with those boundaries. So I might interchange a religious, religious attitude, religious spirit, and legalism in the same. I don't mean, you know, church and healthy, healthy things. I mean that real legalistic, mean, do it right, or, you know, kind of earning your way into Jesus. That's what I mean when I'm saying that. But... I see people questioning their faith because there are boundaries. And look, God made boundaries. He made design. He, when he designed creation, there was order to it. There was a design to it. And it works within his design and order. There's a design and order to how we interact with each other and the world around us. But when we don't know how to communicate that well, I heard Lisa Bevere say this years ago, the church is often known, the, the church, okay, is often known for what we are against more than what we are for. We need to be people that know what real love is, what truth is, and how to communicate that well and stand firm in it so we don't reduce our faith to a politically correct, watered-down, powerless kumbaya party. We are not here to be powerless, wait till Jesus returns, Christians. We are here to affect culture. To show the beauty of God's will and design and purposes. Not to say you're awful because you don't measure up. Make sense? So today I just want to equip and strengthen us um, in, in this idea of loving well and living a, a life that's powerful and full of life for the world around us. Does that sound good? Even if it doesn't, that's what we're going to do. All right, so turn to Matthew 24. I'm going to start here. These verses, I don't know if bothered is the right word. They, they, they're kind of a wake-up call to me. They've been a wake-up call to me for a lot of years and just something I come back to fairly regularly. Just what does this mean and what does this look like and how do we, how do we navigate this? Okay, so Matthew 24, I'm going to start in verse 12, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation um, just to, just because that's what I opened and that's what I liked it in. So Matthew 12, in the Passion Translation, there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Just that idea that in the end, there will be such an increase of wickedness, of lawlessness, of evil, that many, even believers, that our hearts would grow cold. That should, that should alarm us. That should be a wake-up call that many, and I think I looked that up once, that um, it's, it's a majority. It's a lot. It's not just a couple people fall away. So it should sound a warning to us. <laughs> beware. We're at risk of losing love. 
And God is love. We're at risk of missing out on the love he has for us and the love he wants to show the world. I just wrote down, remember your first love and the precious times you spent with God. Don't you dare give that up for a cheap copy of love peddled to you by those who have never known the real thing. The world, the culture right now is saying, this is what love is. You have tasted and seen of real love. You have been in his presence. You have been in his word and have experience with him. I hope you have. And if you haven't, I hope this encourages you too. You have tasted and seen. Don't you dare let that go for a cheap imitation. The world needs you to burn hot. The world needs you to not lose that. This, this word lawlessness, or it might be iniquity or sin or wickedness in your version, it's the Greek word <laughs> something, anomia. That's what we're going to say, anomia. Does anybody speak Greek? No, Catherine does. She's not here. I was hoping she'd be here. This word in the Greek means without law, wickedness. And there, there was this um, little definition. It said, where the thought is not simply that of doing what is unlawful, but a flagrant defiance of the known will of God. I thought of this as I was thinking through this. I'm like, it's not just like accidentally running the stop sign. It's like blowing up the stop sign. Like that stop sign doesn't exist. Okay, flagrant defiance of the known will of God. Okay, this word is from the root word ah, which is anti, uh, you know, other, whatever, and nomos. Nomos means of any law whatsoever through the idea of prescriptive usage, regulation to divide or distribute, Basically, you know, it's order, it's perfect care, and it's design. Okay, so lawlessness is against order, design, and God's perfect will. So ironically, I googled nomos to see if I could find a current Greek definition and kind of put it in context. And uh, the only thing for like 100 pages that came up, because they have a really good marketing team, I guess, um was the name of a German watch company. A German watch, they named their company Nomos. How interesting, and if that doesn't perfectly embody the meaning of Nomos, right? Regulation, law, design, order, okay? So that was just a fun side note. Um, oh, and this was interesting, Wikipedia. <laughs> I usually don't go to places like Wikipedia and Google for Greek uh, study, but this was interesting. So this word nomos, as we have through the years, it has come to be, um, it's the origin of the suffix onomy. He's nodding his head. I'm glad that makes sense. So such as, I had to, let's keep going for the rest of us, such as astronomy, economy, or taxonomy. This is where this word nomos came from. This order, this structure, this design We use it in words like that to describe the science, the study of, the order of these things, okay? And look, God's law is not just about rules. It is a distribution of his will. It's an assigning of everything, a place and an order, a divine design. God's will is what he intended when he created, and therefore, how he designed creation to function. You have a design as a male, as a female, as a human being, as a mother, as a father, you know, and then we all have our different designs and giftings within that and purposes that he's designed us for. As I'm studying this, you know, the thought keeps coming, you can tell a car it's a boat 
but that's not going to make it float. It's going to sink and be ruined. But if you tell a car it's what it was designed for and what the creator willed it for, and then you show, give it a map of all the roads it can drive on, that is freedom. It's not freedom to tell it it's a boat. There's a design, there's function. Um, so back to our Greek word, anomia. It is the going against of the order, will, and design that God has set in place. Okay, so in the last days, there is a going against the order, will, and design that God has set in place. And in that environment, in that culture, the love of most will grow cold. That idea will grow cold is the Greek word psycho. I didn't make it up, I'm just reporting it. In the last days, people will go psycho. You guys don't think that's as funny as I do. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> it's true. People are losing their minds. It doesn't actually have anything to do with psyche. as like the, um, There is another Greek word that's psyche that has to do with the mind. But this word psycho, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's spelled P-S-Y-C-H-O. It means to breathe, to blow, to cool by blowing, to be made or grow cool or cold, metaphorically of waning love. Just as I'm studying this, I get this picture. There's this increase, this rush of lawlessness of people going against the order and design of God's will and his very nature. And it's like this big, you guys ever drafted in, um, like behind a bike, behind a big semi when you're on the highway to try to save gas money? I don't even know if that works, but it's kind of nice to not, does it work? He's, I love him. He knows everything. He's nodding. Or at least he's acting engaged. Thank you, Perry. Just, you know, we can't get drafted. We can't get pulled along just because everybody else is rushing that way. That's when your fire goes out. I wrote that down. It's probably better. There will be such a rush of people going against God's order and design that even those who once burned hot with love for God will wane in love for God and his ways. And if you're going to keep your love and your real love the way God designed it, not the cultural love, you can't be complacent and you can't call what is not love, love. Walking in God's order and design will fuel your love. Okay, walking in God's order, walking in his design, knowing his will, knowing why he designed us. How, when you start to see the design and the beauty, you can't help but love him more and you can't help but love others more. It is so beautiful. It is so intricate. It is stunning. And that just fuels your love because he's so good. And people, guys, people are hungry to know what their purpose is. Even in our little community, I saw an ad for a psychic coming to town. Not a psycho, a psychic. Sorry, I just think that's funny. You guys, come on. Lighten up. <laughs> a psychic coming to town and that it was... All the marketing, all the, the poster or whatever it was, was come find out what your purpose is. Find out why you're here. People are hungry for this. And you, you and I have the living spirit of God inside of us who connects to the Father's heart, who connects to his purposes and design and love for the people at your workplace, in your neighborhood, at the grocery store. Connects to them. Real love, real life, not just nice things they want to hear. Oh, here's some more definitions. You guys good with definitions? You doing okay? 
I told you it was a treasure hunt. This is probably not what you had in mind. <laughs> Greek words. Okay, actually this one is Latin. In Latin, nomos means name. And anomia is a, a medical condition. It means without name, and it describes a condition where someone has the inability to remember names of people and objects due to trauma or cancer. How interesting. Anomia in the Greek, lawlessness. Anomia in Latin, without name. We live in a world where people have forgotten who they are and whose they are. And they need the sons and daughters of God to step up and call them by name and tell them they are chosen, they are loved. Call them back to their purpose and design. And I already kind of mentioned this, but I think we often shy away from telling the truth, speaking the truth in love, because it hasn't been demonstrated in healthy ways. Again, Often, possibly, I think it's getting healthier, people view church as a place where you are, everybody knows what we're against. We're against abortion. We're against homosexuality. We're against whatever. Nobody knows what we're for. We're for family. We're for life. We're for health. We're for healing. We're for connection, right? And here's the thing. If we're going to get this, There are some hard questions right now. We've got to go to Jesus, and we've got to get in our word, and we have got to wrestle with his word. We've got to get in his face and figure out what love really looks like, how we demonstrate it in healthy ways, so that we can communicate that and not let the world tell us, those without law, don't let them tell us what is loving and cause your fire for real love and real mercy and real justice and real compassion to die out, okay? So verse 13 says, but keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Endure. Uh, keep your hope to the end. This word is endure, um, Hypomeneo, hypomeno, I feel like I used to know how to say that. It means to remain, to tarry behind, to abide, not recede or flee, to persevere, under misfortunes and trials, to hold fast to one's faith in Christ, to endure, bear bravely and calmly ill treatments, to bear up courageously, to endure bravely and trustfully, to be long-suffering. We have the ability to endure. We have the ability to hold on. We have the ability and the power inside of us to not let go. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Oh, that gets me every time I read it. Consider nothing sacred. Man. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. 
they will act religious. So just in case you thought Paul was telling Timothy about the people out there, it's easy to look around and blame other people for what's going on in culture and the state of the world. It takes courage to look at the world, I'm sorry, look at the word of God and apply it to your own broken, gossiping, um, proud, ungrateful, unforgiving, narcissistic self. Right? Do you guys catch that? Don't act religious and have that list of what your life is actually life. Again, we've got to take the word of God and wrestle with it and allow it to transform us from the inside out. Give it access to those broken places. Give it access to those places where the thinking is wrong, the believing is wrong, we're believing lies. Give it access. Wrestle with it. Because I don't want us to be a people that acts religious, but we have no power to transform. We have no power to, we're not changing ourselves. We have no power, nothing to offer the world that's real. And here's what I think happens in that, when, in, when we act religious, and we're, it's really just a show, and we're hiding all the things really going on inside of us. And I'm not here to shame anybody. Shame doesn't set anybody free. So if you are in a shame cycle, stop it. You were loved. You were chosen. God loves you. He can lift you up. His arm is not too short to save. Okay, but I think what happens is we contend toward religious superiority. What I see often is people, how do I say this in a nice way? I should have run this by somebody who's kinder. What I see sometimes is the people who act the most spiritual, quotes, always talk about their spiritual exploits, let's say it that way. I feel like it's often a cover-up for what's, they're just hiding something. It's this acting religious, right? So we can tend to, towards this religious superiority, what we know, all the traditions we follow, oh, I do this feast and, and whatever, or traditions they follow, or holidays they don't follow, whatever. Or, so there's a religious side that we can lean towards, or there's a political side. And the, this political correctness, it's a form of division and classification, and it is just as destructive as the religious spirit that seeks to destroy anyone that would disagree with it. Okay, we can't fall into either camp. We are first Christians. We are children of God. We are not of a political party. We are not of a religious uh, affiliation. We are children of God. And we love the world well. Does that make sense? Don't, because we can tend to hide these things. It's silly. Okay, so, um, you know, he said, what is that verse that we just read? Keep your hope, right back in Matthew uh, 24. Keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Okay, those who let go of hope, and hope isn't like, oh, I hope I get a puppy for Christmas. It's confident expectation that comes through experience with God. It is confident expectation. I see in his word that he said he will, he will never leave me or forsake me. He, he said he will care for the things that concern me. He said he... he um, you know, test me in the tithe, all those things we see and we can experience in his presence. You know, he's healer, he is life giver. We can experience these things and we, can, we have to hold on to that hope, that confident expectation of his good, that he is good, confident expectation of his character and nature. Okay, this confident expectation 
that we get to hold on to. And you have to have those experiences. You have to be in the word. You have to experience his presence. You have to experience his goodness in that way. And then you hold on to that for the next thing that's bigger and the next thing that's scarier and the next thing that you go through that's harder and, and hurts more. You hold on to this hope that my God is good and he will never fail me. That's how we keep walking in love. Okay, and if you don't hold on to hope, you will not hold up under all that life throws at you. This, this growing tide of resistance to, to faith, to God, to truth. And you're at risk of that love burning out. Okay? And I wrote this down. I feel like this is, I hope this is tying together in your mind. It really did for me. Following God's precepts is what will, is the fuel for real love. Okay? Anomia, without law, not following God's order, his design, his will. Anomia. We, when we follow his design, his order, his will, we see the beauty and intricacy of it. It's, it's overwhelming how much he cares, how the, the beauty and design and care he put into making you. That should fuel your love for yourself. It's okay to love yourself. Actually, we're going to read, you can only love others as you love yourself. And you can only love yourself as God loves you. Okay, so following that, following him in that is what fuels our love. Um, I'm going to go back to Matthew 24, and I'm going to back up a little bit and run at these verses a little more. If you want to flip back there. <laughs> back and forth. All right, Matthew 24, I'm going to start in verse 9. Again, the Passion Translation you can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away, many. And they will, they will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. Okay, again, you can endure. You can rise up under all the disappointments, the pressures, the trials, the persecutions that come your way. We have the ability, we have the, the power to grow deeper in love and shine brighter with God's love, even in this culture, even when you're persecuted. You know what I think of? I haven't thinking of this guy so much. I don't even know his name. Who's the, the baker in Colorado Springs who just keeps getting hammered and hammered? He won't bake this cake. He won't bake that cake because it violates what he believes to be true. I just keep thinking about him. What a shining example for us who are sometimes afraid to tell our neighbor that we go to church. Wow. Keep your hope to the end and you will experience deliverance. And remember, our battle is not against people ever. It is against the forces of darkness that have blinded their eyes to God's goodness, his love and mercy, and is keeping them from his beautiful design. There is a liar, there is a deceiver out there, and he is trying to sweep people away. Don't, don't let him. Stand your ground. Okay, so let's talk about following God's precepts. These last few minutes. I, I love this verse, so I put it in here. 
I don't know if it fits, but I like it. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus is the expression of God's perfect will. Okay? He's also our example of how, we're to, how we get to live, in this, this, live this life out. Okay? We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got the word of truth. Okay? And we get to go around doing good. And here's the thing. Everything Jesus did didn't look loving to the religious or political leaders of his day. He, turned, he sent people away. He questioned. He challenged. He corrected. Okay? I, I thought of this. You know, my, my kids, when they have a splinter or an ouchie, they don't think it's very loving of mommy to try to scrub that out, clean up their ouchie with painful, stingy stuff, or pick out that splinter. Right? But mamas know it is, it is not loving to let a wound fester and destroy them. So here's, here's what I want to get at for the rest of this time. When you don't have an intimate relationship with the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who points us to Jesus, he teaches us all things, but only know what the scripture says, you're going to miss the beauty and true goodness of the law, of the design. The Holy Spirit teaches, the word, teaches us the word which points us to relationship with Jesus. When you are intimately encountering Jesus, the word, and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you, you welcome the sword of the Spirit in the hands of the great surgeon. He cuts to heal. He cuts to open and release lies and pour in love and truth. He doesn't cut to wound. He doesn't cut to destroy. The thief, John 10.10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that you would have life and have it abundantly. But there is a sword. There is truth. There is a dividing line that says, this is the lie. This is the truth. And I will cut that out for you. This attitude is wrong. This belief is wrong. And I need to cut that out of you or it will kill you. And we have to allow, we have to be in his presence. We have to spend time in the word and with the Holy Spirit, allowing him access to those places. It doesn't always feel good and it stirs up things. And you're like, gosh, am I really only this far along in my, quote, mature Christian faith? Am I here again, God, that I'm still dealing with offense and bitterness or strife? Like, shouldn't I be past this? Probably, but let him deal with it. Gossip, what a silly thing. When we know the words in our Bible but are not connected relationally to the word, we are at risk of betraying those who we are trying to protect in the name of love, mercy, or justice. It's tempting to put Band-Aids on wounds and call it healed. But that's not love. And we, can't, we cannot be people that put Band-Aids on people's dysfunction and on their identity crisis and on their hurts because they say, it's okay, because everybody else is celebrating it. That's not love. And you doing that causes more hurt and more damage. This world needs people that will stand up and show them what truth is and call out their design, tell them what their name is. 
If we're going to see people set free, they'll need to experience all, the all-encompassing acceptance of God, okay, through faith in Christ. God accepts you. All are welcome to come and be made whole. All are loved. The way is open to all who will search for what is true. And they need to experience the reality of their purpose and design. It is both. It is God loves and accepts you, and there is a design in a way that is right and true and brings you life. And we all need that revelation of the freedom and joy found within his order and perfection, within this law of God's will. Both and, acceptance and truth. And truth, I love the, the definition of truth. You know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It means reality. That word truth is the Greek word reality. You will know reality and be set free. That's good. Okay, next stop on our treasure hunt today. Let's go to Proverbs 29, 18. I love hearing so many flipping Bibles. <laughs> That didn't come out right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Scratch that. Turning pages. Oh, my gosh. So it's been nice knowing you all. I'll be moving on from after this. All right, Proverbs 29, 18. Let's stay, let's, people, stay focused, okay? I'm going to read it to you in the NLT and then the TPT. <laughs> TPT, the Passion Translation. The NLT, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. Proverbs 29, 18, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray, but when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Okay, let's talk about this. Vision. You guys ready for some more definitions? This is a treasure hunt to me. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'm sorry. It's a lot of definitions. But this is good. Hang tight. Hang on. Okay. Vision. A dream, a revelation, or oracle, divine communication, a divine vision or dream, prophetic vision. So really the, the passion translation there, when, when they say where there is no clear prophetic vision, that is a really good translation of that. And we know that prophecy, the prophetic, is taking what's in God's heart and communicating it to the world around us. His love, his intention, his design, calling them by name. You are named, you are loved. Here's what I see in God's heart for you. Here was his intention in creating you. Okay, so prophet, clear prophetic vision, perish. Um, let's see. The NLT said where there's no, when people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. The, the Passion Translation said when there's no pr clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. I think the NIV says, help me out, they per perish. Is that what you're, you're not even looking. You're just looking at me. That's okay. This word means, let's stay focused, we're almost done, to let go, let loose, ignore, avoid, neglect, to let loose restraints, to overlook, to reject counsel, to let the reins loose, to anyone to go unbridled. This word is also found in a couple other verses, a few other verses, but in Proverbs 8, 33 and 32 and 33, it says, so my children, listen to me. Wisdom is speaking. Wisdom says, listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Same Hebrew word as let go above. Okay, so what we see is 
where there's no revelation, where there's no prophetic revelation, there's no heart of God and his will and his design. When people don't have hold of that, they let go. They let go. But it says, whoever keeps the law, guards, observes, treasures, and attends to and protects it, keeps, that's what that word means, you treasure it. You value what you've, your experience in his word. You value what he's spoken to you. You value the prophetic word he's spoken over your life. You, you value those times of intimacy you've had with him, those, those little times where he's met a need that nobody else knew you had. You value that. You treasure it up and you store it up and go, he is good and I will keep pursuing him. Okay, you keep that law. You keep that intimacy. Okay, when you keep it, it says you are joyful. Heaven's bliss fills your soul. You're blessed. Okay? The one thing that will keep your love healthy and strong is the one thing most under attack. We are so distracted. We have so many things we can look at, listen to, be involved in that it is so easy to neglect real time in the word, intimate time in the word, study the word. And here's the thing, we have more access to great teaching and a bazillion translations. It's almost like, I don't know. Yet we need to take the time to learn and meditate and meet God on those pages. I heard somebody say, I think it was Bill Johnson, You can read the whole Bible in 72 hours. That's three times a year if you do an hour a day. Is that math right? Somebody, we're the Petersons. 72 hours, that's less than three months of an hour a day. We have no excuse. And I'm not just talking about reading it. Like, listen, if you stayed on one verse for a year, that's not what it's about. I'm not talking about quantity. I'm really talking about meeting Jesus on those pages. And when we have that intimate experience with him on those pages of the word, we won't let go. We won't let go. We won't grow cold in our love. Hold on. But again, it goes back to just, you've got to make it your own. You've got to meet Jesus in those pages. You've got to wrestle through your junk. You've got to wrestle through the questions the culture has. We've got to do that, and we've got to be people alive and full of love and full of truth. Here's, I love this verse. Verse John 1, verse John 1, verses 1 through 4. These just always hit me. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father. It's really hard to read through tears. Hang on. (laughs) Shoot. It'd be better without my glasses if I can wipe this. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that you may fully share our joy. Look, we probably 
haven't encountered Jesus in the flesh. You probably haven't encountered him in that way. But I pray that all of you have encountered him on the pages of your Bible, that it is marked up, dog-eared, bookmarked, highlighted. And you have journals and notes and all this experience with God because then you go to the world and you say, we have heard him and we have seen him. We have touched him. We have experienced him. He is the word of life. He was revealed to us, and that is what we are proclaiming to you. This love, this life that is better than you can imagine and, is, and we will not settle for a cheap version of love in its place. It's through relationship and experience as we walk daily with God that we are transformed in love and our trust in his goodness goes and from that place, we have something real to offer the people around us. But that religious legalism and lawlessness that we talked about, it will steal the life of the word from you and choke out the spirit, spirit's love fruit. And we'll talk about that next week. Um, I think that's a good stopping place. So, because I'm just a mess now, so we should just stop. I just pray that you guys have experienced him in that way and that you will not let anything distract you, convince you otherwise, that he is not everything he says he is and that he can do everything that you say, that he'll do everything he says he will do in and through you. All right, let's stand up and pray. If I ever had any insecurity about blowing my nose in front of people, preaching has... Need that go away. Oh God, Jesus, you are so good. I pray for every heart in this place today that they have encountered you. God, I thank you. Your love transforms. Your love heals. Your love changes us, God. God, I pray that we are a people of truth, of reality, that we don't settle for teachings that sound good, but have no power, for a life of, quote, faith, but no power. God, transform us into the beautiful people you saw in your heart when you died for us. God, we put our hope in you <laughs> in all things. Thank you, Jesus. You're beautiful, and we love you. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, teach us. Lead us into all the truth. Point us to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Will you guys go out and enjoy a yummy snack? If you need prayer, you can um, come up here and Bonnie will pray for you. Yes. Thanks. I'm volunteering you. Thank you so much. She's an awesome woman of power and love and strength, and you will be blessed. All right. On the count of three, let's say Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin in the world, and you guys can go love on each other. <laughs> now, one, two, three. Gosh, you guys. Thank you for putting up with this. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world. Love you guys. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. 